The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Vicious Whispers, episode 134. I am back in California. Uh, trip to Germany was awesome. Back here, getting a lot of stuff done, gearing up for the release of TBI or CTE and SHT Odor CTE. Uh, those two books are coming out on November 16th. And then, shit, just one month later, uh, December 12th, is the release of Try Not to Die in the Wizard's Tower. That one is about to go up for pre-orders. It's looking awesome. All kinds of cool-ass illustrations in there. Everything done by uh, my friend, Michael Sage Ricci. Uh, who's also a tattoo artist and tattooed my inner arm a long time ago. So that book is going to be super awesome. Um, we were going to start running a contest for it in my dark and disturbing fear-filled fiction. That was supposed to start on Monday. I just realized I got to postpone it a little bit. I haven't figured out the prizes. I'm just so busy with everything else. One thing I've failed to do in the past is really concentrate on launches. Um, in fact, one of the books I'm reading right now, my wife got for me is something about being grounded because it's talking all about how super ambitious people um, are never going to be happy. They're always going from one thing to the next. And that's how I am. Like I realized even with the TBI book coming out, even with the Try Not to Die coming out, I've already kind of moved past it. I haven't celebrated it at all. I just automatically, my brain is going to, okay, what do I do next? Uh, got to work on the Wild West. Got to work on this. Got to work on this. I just set up another uh, Try Not to Die with a pretty awesome author. Um, his reviews blow my reviews away. He's got way more. Um, he's very interested. So keeping my fingers crossed on that. But anyhow, that's how my brain works. I'm just always wanting to do the next thing. It's hard for me to relax. Um, so that's one thing I've been working on this week. Like, on the family side of things, like just spending time with them. My son was home the last two days, so I really didn't get much work done, uh, but I was okay with that. And yesterday, I uh, started the day off. Thursday mornings are usually pretty awesome. I usually have my buddy come over, we smoke, uh, we do yoga. And then um, after that, I did my first guitar lesson with Marco Tullius. That was awesome. So I'm going to start practicing that every day. Um, that's really cool to have homework. So I'm going to force myself to start learning guitar, uh, learning all the basics. I was teaching myself. And so I gave myself all kinds of terrible uh, techniques and just um, now I'm going to take a little bit more seriously actually trying to learn. So that's cool. But then after that, I just hung out and played with my son. So even though I didn't get much work done, it was a good day. And that's what I need to realize. I don't need to always be on. I don't need to always be productive. Um, the hypnosis I did with Alexandra Colliner helped a lot with that, but I definitely still have some issues. So uh, I think it's important to be aware of those. So going back to the contest, that's one reason why I am going to hold off for a week or two. Um, I think we're going to time it so it lines up with the release. So probably if it's not this, probably be shit. I don't know. Let's see. November. Maybe we'll start on the 22nd. Uh, not quite sure, but it'd be about then. 
So keep tuned for that. And that one is only going to be taking place in the dark and disturbing beer filled fiction. That's on Facebook. I'll just post a chapter every day and everyone can vote. Uh, that way we're keeping the numbers of people that are competing down um, because I want to sign a book in blood. Uh, my blood, not like pig's blood and some crappy like that. Oh, my blood. Uh, maybe Sage's too. I don't know. We'll see. See if he's down. But anyhow, uh, yeah, so that's what's been going on. Uh, next week, we'll go more into that. But I want to share the interview I did with my co-author, Nico, back in Germany. I interviewed him right after his brother, Lucas. Uh, yeah, it's super. I'm very grateful for him because uh, not only is he helping with writing trying to die in the rhine he's one of the reasons why i went to the book fair we got to see the castle he's helped me a lot with um, trying to speak german uh in fact we have weekly um talks uh and so last week we were talking in german uh, and in english this week we're only going to speak in german so that's going to help a lot uh, he can speak English, German, and Spanish, which is amazing. Uh, anywhere that I can speak more than one language uh, has my respect. Uh, trying to learn a new one and actually use it is quite difficult, but uh, I'm enjoying it and I want to get fluent. Um, eventually, I'll be fluent in German. Um, maybe by next year, probably not. I don't know. It depends on how much work I do. At least I want to be able to understand people. Um, I do want to be able to say a lot more. So, uh, and I do also want to write. Oh, and that's another thing Nico has been helping with too. Um, he's like a third proofreader and really trusted because he's also a writer. So I'm able to give him my books or my newsletter or whatever else that I've just had translated into German. Say, hey, does this sound correct? Does this sound right? Because honestly, I don't know. Um, like it might make sense to me, but is not how a German reader would read it. So that's what's going on. But this is a little conversation I had with my buddy Nico. Uh, check it out and stick around because after that, I will play chapters 12 and 13 from Beyond Brightside. Hope you guys are enjoying that story. So that is it. All right. Check it out. And then I will be back and talk to you guys next week. Later. All right. Hey, what's up, guys? We are here at the Frankfurter Buchmesa. Uh, it has been awesome. Uh, I just got done talking with uh, Nico's brother, Lucas. This is Nico. He is my co-author of Try Not to Die in the Rhine. He's been helping me out with a lot of translations. Uh, Nico J. H. Alvarez, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, hello, Vartulus. Uh, 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 thank you uh, for visiting me and my brother uh, here. It's uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I really like it. Uh, and uh, I, I really appreciate also uh, the opportunity to can make a book with you. Um, and yeah, it's my first podcast. <laughs> uh, you're, you're kicking ass, dude. You're doing awesome. I, like I, I mentioned on the last podcast with your brother, it's only been three or four months since we started talking. Yep. Uh, you made incredible progress with the book. You've already helped me out so much with my newsletter, with cleaning up uh, Morsels of Mayhem, uh, making things flow. I think we both have a similar writing style. Yep. And so you're able to help me capture what I want to get across. Mm -hmm. um, so that's helpful. You've also helped me a little bit with my German when we talk on Skype. So I appreciate that. Um, and then setting it up to go to uh, Drakenfels, 
the castle. That yeah. was super cool. That was like a really good day. I'm that glad I did that. Yeah. <laughs> so being able to see the place that you're writing about to get ideas, uh, that was really cool. And it was so nice just hanging out with you and your brother, having fun. Um, and it was a good way to start the, yeah. the trip. Um, and then you coming down today. So you've been here all day. You got here early. And man, uh, yeah, your brother's kind of flake. He's like just in and out. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but you came out that you have been doing so well. I, I didn't know you were part pimp, uh, but you. Uh, <laughs> what what means that? <laughs> what that means? Uh, 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 a, a womanizer, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Someone uh, you, womanizer. You no no what? you oh, you have a, a way with words. Uh, you you enjoy talking to women. Uh, yeah. You, 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 uh, yeah. Well, uh, normally. Uh, that's the first time in my life that someone say that to me, actually. But yeah, today was a, was a really nice day. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, nice, uh, nice girls uh, here. It's uh, it was really cool. Yeah, uh, I really enjoy this day. Um, yeah, actually, I'm a little bit tired. Source. My my, Source, my yeah. voice, it's a little bit tired. <laughs> I I I really talk today you talk a lot. really much than normally. Yeah, but but I enjoy it. It's it's really cool. Uh, um, uh, the persons uh, then I talk about my ideas uh, for for my books and our book. Uh, mm -hmm. They they really love it. So that that gives me um, really uh, hope that yeah. uh, it's gonna be really an exit. Uh, yeah, and yeah, it's uh, really nice. I, I, I've <laughs> never had that kind of initial. Like you got all kinds of great responses mm -hmm. and for an idea that you just came up with, that is so cool to have, like to give you that inspiration. Now mm -hmm. you're more motivated. Now you're like, okay, that is a good idea. Sometimes we don't yeah. know as writers, like, is it a good idea? Should I yeah. do it? Should I not? Is it a lot of time? Do I want to? Um, but hearing people's reactions to it, mm -hmm. you could it see was... in their eyes that they loved it, that, that it was going to be a good story. Yeah, that gives me a good idea if they're going to love it. Right. Love it. Uh, and yeah, it, uh, I have really good responses uh, uh, on my ideas. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, no, very, very cool, man. It's uh, Yeah, it's been awesome. So that was super helpful to have you here because you were able to speak German to so many people. Um, that just wouldn't have been understanding me. Uh, yeah, you you are a great salesman. Honestly, if I had to get a guest, I would have guessed you were more like me, being probably more introverted. Mm. You know, not being wanting to really talk to people so much. Or, but man, I was a hundred percent wrong today because uh, <laughs> yeah, you killed it. Uh, it couldn't yeah, have been no, any better. Uh, normally, when I'm not in this situation, I I, I really think that I am not good for on it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, in the end, uh, when I am in this situation, I forget everything and I s simply flow with the with the waves. <laughs> yeah, whether it was English, German, or uh, Spanish, you were killing yeah. it. So so that that was cool. And uh, talk and talk to people about your books. Uh, yeah. was also a good practice for me. Uh, uh, on this, it, it was the first time uh, being uh, in a so big place uh, and talking to persons about books. Uh, it, it was a really good practice for me, also. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was awesome, man. It was, uh, it, it was cool. You did a great job. I couldn't ask for a better salesman, uh, <laughs> and I wasn't expecting that. I thought you were just coming by for a little bit today. Uh, so, yeah, that was a pleasant surprise. You brought me food. 
uh, the last the yeah, last two to three days at, at the thing. I have not really eaten, and so uh, yeah, you bringing me food yeah, today it was awesome. I, I like your taste, uh, this uh, German product. Yeah, so. it was awesome. Uh, what, what was it called? It was, what was the the name of it? Um, this is food. Oh, this is, yeah, okay. it, it's called it's called that's like a smart so, name. It's a, is, it's a drink. It's that, a drink. Yeah, it's uh, a, that's it's actually a complete meal. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's German for you. Like, oh, it's a drink. Let's call it food. <laughs> make, make it easy for the Americans. Yeah. I enjoyed it too, as an American having it for my first time. It was good. I felt fulfilled throughout the day. Uh, it was excellent. Uh, also, uh, your water bottle was pretty cool too. Uh, yeah, you, you trimmed out lots of cool things. Um, but yeah, dude, so making the trip, I know it's no easy trip from Dusseldorf to here. It takes a lot of time. So yeah, that was cool. You to spend the whole day uh, hanging out. And uh, no, I do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoy it. It's so cool. It's so cool place. Uh, and I really like to uh, repeat it uh, next year. <laughs> and, that, and that's what I, yeah, that's what I realized is like, okay, coming back, but I'm going to do it bigger, better. Like it's already been awesome, but next year we'll be possibly selling sell, sell yeah, the yeah. books. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. This trip, I was just giving away, uh, trying to lure people in, but no, next year we'll have a lot of books for sale. We'll mm -hmm. have so many of them translated into German. Uh, going to be killing it. Uh, yeah. More motivated and confident than ever before. So that's just one I'm going to keep on doing. Uh, so it's very cool to have you. You are a huge confidence booster with the German, with newsletter, with the writing. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's been <laughs> so you. cool that uh, so cool that we connected. Uh, and I know it's going to be a good book and seeing everyone's reactions. Everyone I told mm -hmm. about trying not to die on the Rhine, they loved the idea. They thought it was so cool that we went and visited it. So there is definitely like that book is going to do very well. Uh, uh, yeah. I, uh, I'm really hopeful about about the book yeah. uh, and excited uh, about the work, about the work and and improvements and ideas uh, we are trying. It's, yeah, it's uh, I like it. That, that's <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, it, 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 it's awesome. It's it's, a, it's crazy um, that this has all happened so quickly, but uh, I'm glad you've been doing it with me. Tell me a little bit about the project you just came up and what you were telling people about and how they reacted to it. Uh, yeah, they reacted. They reacted. Actually, really interested uh, on on the on the idea. Um, uh, the book is going to be about uh, a boy who has a well accident with the plane. <laughs> uh, accident because uh, technically uh, uh, the gods of our world uh, uh, make happen the the accident. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so they can sell the the passengers to to God of other worlds. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and uh, our main char character uh, wake up uh, in a closed room, and he has to uh, and he goes uh, from one escape one escape room to another escape room. And uh, what he don't what he don't know at that moment is. Uh, that he's on a boot camp of the gods who buy him, mm -hmm. um, uh, and they they make he he go into that escape rooms, so he he, gain, he gains uh, stronger, uh, so he can make make the will of the gods in his world. Uh, okay, that that's uh, that that's the main idea. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of work uh, is. Is uh, needs to happen for the right, idea, right. but yeah, that's that's, that's the initial <laughs> idea, and that's yeah, and so and that was cool to see people's reactions. So now you can move forward with it. I was telling you, feel free to jump back and forth. There's yeah. no timeline on our book when 
when we get our book done, we'll get our book done. So there's never a rush. There's never, yeah. like, there's always one ready to go out, um, which is cool. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and that uh, other world, uh, it's a fantasy world with magic and things like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> that's very cool. Well, dude, again, thank you so much for everything. Oh, and also really thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it, it was uh, really cool. I, um, it's really nice to have you in Germany. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome, man. Yeah, being able to talk in person is cool. Uh, I already felt like I kind of knew you from seeing you on uh, on WhatsApp. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that helped already having those interactions. But yeah, dude, this is this has been awesome. Uh, yeah, I can't thank you and your brother enough. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to be out here next year in Frankfurt to, uh, whether it's your book or not, I'll, I'll be here. <laughs> and you can still flirt with all the women. And I'll just stand there by myself and be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> come on. Uh, no, I do. What, what I can say, it flows. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It was flowing, all right. Um, all right. Well, I guess we should probably wrap this up. I know your brother's got to take off, and it's getting late. Um, we will go out on chapters uh, twelve and thirteen of Beyond Brightside. Hope you guys are digging that. I will be back in the U.S. Well, shit, this is like two weeks later, but anyhow, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy the chapters. Thanks again to Nico for hanging out. And I will talk to you guys later. And thank you for hearing us <laughs> and, and see us. Chapter 12. The door creaked open. The kitchen light was on. Two pizza boxes and a case of empty beer bottles stacked beside the trash can. Becky slipped Tommy's knife from her back pocket and pulled out the small blade. My parents don't drink. I steadied my breath and followed her in, holding back the pain with a grimace. The tile was cold and sticky like it hadn't been washed in a while, the air conditioning rattling overhead. Maybe they moved. In two weeks? No way. Especially not without Mello. Becky crept forward like a trained assassin, the knife aimed down but ready to thrust. Around this corner's the living room, there's three bedrooms and two bathrooms past it down the hall. Becky froze and held up her hand. He's in the living room. A TV turned on with an ad for premature ejaculation. Can you tell what he's doing? She remained motionless, narrowed her eyes as she concentrated. Laughing at the guy in the commercial, thinking he'd fuck the shit out of the actress. Becky eased forward, keeping close to the counter, the doorway just a few feet away. She pointed at the living room table, a black boot windbreaker draped over the chair. The commercial switched to Channel 9 News, a man saying, The headhunter strikes again with another viral video. The reporter kept talking, but the boot watching said, Holy shit, that motherfucker got another one. Even louder, he said, God damn, you gotta see this. Is he talking to your parents? Becky shook her head and crept to the very edge of the doorway. Doubt it. The TV went silent. Come on, the guy shouted. Hurry up. You want the gun? He might be armed. She didn't bother answering me, peeked her head around the corner. I stepped forward, but Becky pulled back so quick it knocked me off balance, my knee banging into the cabinet. I thought you were in the bathroom, the boot said. Grab me a beer while you're in there, will you? A muffled female voice said, What did you say? Oh, shit, Becky thought. You get the girl, and took off around the corner. 
I couldn't move like Becky, but did my best. By the time I turned the corner, she was nearly to the back of the couch where the big guy was sitting. He whipped his head toward Becky, only for her to wrap her arm around his neck and slam him into the couch. The guy tried punching her with his right hand, but the shot was weak, and Becky had her body turned so it glanced off her shoulder. His other hand pulled on her wrist, looking like he might break her grip until she slid the knife under his chin. Don't move. I couldn't see the woman because the hallway door was closed, but I heard her say, What the hell's going on? The door swung open and revealed a tall blonde with a fake tan, something silver in her hand. There was no time for hesitation, my finger squeezing the trigger, the bullet blasting her back into the hall where she crumpled to the carpet. The guy grabbed hold of the knife's blade and twisted it out of Becky's grasp, dropped it on the cushion as blood streamed from his hand. With her choking arm, Becky grabbed hold of her other bicep and put that hand behind the guy's head, pushing down so hard his face went purple. I hobbled to the hallway to kick away the woman's gun, only to see it was a framed photo of her in the boot at Disneyland. I hoped she hadn't wasted money on an annual pass. The exit wound in her back, saying this had been her last ride. The boot had two handfuls of Becky's hair, the veins popping out on his forearms. She took the pain and squeezed harder, silently screamed at me to help. But don't shoot! I got between the couch and TV, aimed the gun at his groin so there wouldn't be an accident. Hold still! His eyes were glassy, cheeks bulging, but he brought up both hands. Becky eased off the choke. Close the drapes. The boot coughed hard as I made my way over to the window. Becky warned him not to yell. There didn't seem to be anyone looking around outside, the community already accustomed to gunshots going off. I closed the drapes and noticed the pile of cardboard moving boxes by the front door. Behind the boxes, leaning against the wall, was a large painting of a cityscape, which had most likely been taken down for the Raiders poster hanging above the leather recliner. With her arms still tight around his throat and ready to squeeze, Becky asked, What's your name? His voice was all scratchy, barely above a whisper. Where's Debbie? Becky constricted, and he gagged. Your name... It took him a second. Brendan. The image frozen on the TV made it hard for me to breathe. My first thought was Rachel, but that didn't make sense because this woman's face was still intact. Then my mind went to Crystal, the guy in black fatigues and a Rambo headband holding her fiery red hair, her emerald green eyes open but unseeing. His other hand was holding a bloody machete, only strings of flesh dangling beneath her chin. At the bottom of the photo, typed in big, bold letters, it said, Stay out of my head, or I'll take yours. I fell to my knees, didn't notice any pain. My eyes glued to the screen. Becky was only a few feet away, but sounded over a hundred when she said, Joe, what are you doing? I dropped the gun on the floor, ran my hand where my hair had been, squeezed my head as hard as I could. No! Joe, keep it together. I just talked to her three days ago. She was fine. What are you talking about? We've got to deal with this guy. Cops might be coming. Brendan said, let me go. The noise I was making scared both of us. The TV. It fucking killed my mom. Becky moved her head to the side of Brendan's. Oh my God. Are you sure? I couldn't talk. Couldn't think. Couldn't look at the TV. The gun was in front of me felt perfect in my hand. I'm so sorry, Joe, but I need to find where my parents are. 
Don't do anything rash. It wasn't easy, but I got to my feet. Brendan begged Becky to release him. He swore he wouldn't call it in. Where are the people who lived here? Gone. Gone where? I shuffled to the couch, paused at the corner. Don't know. Probably a holding center. Were you here when they took them? Brendan said no, but we both knew he was lying. What about the cat? Fuck the... Becky squeezed, and Brendan's hand shut up, his left connecting with her face. She buried her head against his neck and applied more pressure, his face darkening again, both his hands yanking on her forearm, blood everywhere. Sounding nothing like a sweet 16-year-old, she said, Last chance, motherfucker. How do I find him? Brendan tried to talk, but nothing came out. Becky shouted at him to think it. His thoughts were erratic and scrambled, his brain short on oxygen. He's worthless. Becky yelled at him. How do we get people out? Brendan's arms fell by his sides, his eyes closed. He's asleep. Becky kept squeezing. I know. I understood what she was doing and why. We didn't need a witness, someone to call the boots. A wet schlop came from underneath him, his pants darkening as the smell of shit hit us. Hoping it would help her cope, I said. He had it coming. Chapter 13 Becky sat against the back of the couch, staring at her forearms, her left smeared with blood from fingertips to her elbow, her blonde hair streaked red. I peeked through the drapes to make sure no one was coming. I stayed there so she was out of my range, and I couldn't hear her thoughts. The only sound in the house was the ticking of the bulky grandfather clock in the corner. The thing looked ancient and didn't go with the raider's poster. It was my great-grandma's, then my grandma's, Becky said. Her voice hollow like part of it had been scraped away. We got it two years ago when she died. I'd forgotten Becky's range was stronger than mine. A reminder to stay more positive. It wasn't just me I had to worry about. Becky studied her hands, her face showing no emotion. I knew it sounded stupid, but I had to say something. Are you okay? She looked up, her lip cut, a bruise taking shape on her cheek. A simple fact, she said. We'll never be okay. I couldn't argue with that but needed to get her focused so we could get out of there in case a neighbor called it in. I'm sorry. She shook her head, took her gaze to the floor. The TV was still on. My mother's head, frozen in air for all to see. The motherfucker with a machete grinning like he'd just done the world a favor. This was the news. The glorification of a suspected thought thief being decapitated. Open season on us all. Turn it off. I had no idea where the remote was, but figured it had to be near Brendan. Now that the adrenaline dump was over, my ankle was tender each step, my shoulder a deep throb. Brendan was hunched over like he was trying to sniff his shit soaking into the cushion. I holstered my gun, scooped up Tommy's knife, and wiped the blade on the couch. The remote rested on the coffee table. I clicked off the TV and set the remote back down, my fingerprints all over it. Becky's thoughts were spiraling in self-hatred and fear. I went around to her side and said, Before we do anything, 
How about I help clean you up? Why bother? Because you look like you just stepped out of a horror film. She couldn't take her eyes off her hands. It's pointless, Joe. This whole thing is so fucking pointless. I know it feels that way, but we've got to keep trying. That's all we've got left. That set her off, the tears finally falling, the tough girl gone. Nothing's left. It'd be a bitch getting back up and cops could barge in any minute, but I got down on my knees and eased back against the couch beside her. I'm sorry, Becky. Sorry for everything. She was thinking about her parents, how she'd caused them to lose everything. Through her sobs, she said, I don't even know if they're still alive. Then let's find out. How? I don't know. We'll need a plan. We'll find out where they took them and go there. That's ridiculous, like you said. Pretty much anything we do is suicide. I gave it a second to sink in and said, but I say we go out fighting. Fuck these motherfuckers. Becky wiped her face with the back of her arm, the blood and tear mixture marking her like an Indian princess in war paint. With a bit of a smile, she said, I love your eloquence. Thanks. That was my major in community college. So how do we find out where they went? This dick's not talking. Neither's his girlfriend, but we'll figure it out. First things first, let's clean you up. Becky nodded and got to her feet, helped me to mine. She kept hold of my hand and walked toward the hallway. We can use my bathroom. We skirted around Debbie's body and entered the last door on the right. Becky huffed and said, It used to be my bathroom. There was a cardboard box on the counter full of lotions, shampoos, and pill bottles, a black trash bag beside it. The medicine cabinet was ajar, only a few items in it. I think we interrupted her redecorating. Becky opened the far drawer and slammed it shut. In the next drawer, she found a washcloth. They couldn't even put shit in the right place. Do you want me to help? She faced the mirror, her tears back. I can do it. I was tempted to go through the bottles and see if I could find some pain pills or at least some Advil, but now wasn't the time. I left the bathroom and closed the door behind me. I didn't feel right exploring the house that had been hers, so I went back down the hall, stopping beside Debbie. I wondered if they'd make a sappy commercial for her or if only Brendan would be eulogized. Debbie was innocent, but now she was dead. Wrong place, wrong time. Wrong boyfriend. Wrong guy breaking into her dwelling and blasting her for holding a photo. I took the fuzzy black blanket from the back of the recliner and covered her up. Thought that might help Becky. There was another blanket in the pile of stuff by the door. I took it to the couch and laid Brendan onto his side. Noticed the large tattoo on his right arm. The same military insignia I'd seen on several fallen heroes' eulogy clips. Two pistols crossed at the top. A sword and key crossed in front of an axe and the scales of justice. The words encircling it. Assist. Protect. Defend. I took out Kevin's phone and snapped a photo, not trusting my memory. I turned the recliner so it faced the front door, left the gun on my lap. I hadn't checked the time, but thought it had been about ten minutes before the bathroom door creaked open. Becky walked out from the hallway, all the blood washed away, looking like her new old self. She placed an orange pill bottle in my hand, 
but kept hold of it. Only one every four hours. I tried to see what the prescription was, but Becky wasn't letting go. She waited until I looked her in the eyes, the whites so red from crying. Promise me. She needed to know I wasn't going to be leaving her. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just one. Becky released the bottle. I need time in my room. How long? I don't know. I'm going to gather stuff, try to figure things out. I said, sure thing, but couldn't stop from worrying about the boots breaking down the door. They would have already responded if they were coming tonight. You can relax. How about you search the house? You sure? She waved her arms at everything. Except my bedroom and those boxes, all of this is their stuff. Plus it doesn't matter either way. Take anything you think we might need. Sarah and Danny were on my mind, but I forced that thought down until Becky closed the hallway door behind her. She was in no shape to consider them. I eased out of the recliner, set the gun on the armrest, went over to the boxes by the front door. I dumped a huge pile of women's clothing out of the biggest one and took it into the kitchen. Before I began the scavenger hunt, I set the box on the kitchen table and popped open the pill bottle, took out one of the white Vicodin that had been prescribed to Peter Glynn. I found a bottle of Jack in the cupboard to wash the pill down and take off some of the sting, warming my throat and stomach. I glanced around the kitchen, tried to imagine what we could use. I don't know if Becky expected me to pack for long-term survival camping out in the mountains or useful stuff to get through the night. There was quite a big difference between surviving one day, ten, or one hundred. The drawers were pretty empty, except for utensils. We were already set on knives with Tommy's and Wayne's, but I threw in a sharp steak knife just in case. From the cupboard, I grabbed a bag of beef jerky, a couple cans of soup, and a box of Cliff Bars. Figured that could get us through a few days. I set the bottle of Jack beside the box in case we had room, and Becky wouldn't judge me. Trying to carry the box around with one hand seemed like a bad idea, so I left it on the table and headed for the hallway. The first door led to the master bedroom, the light brown bed sheets clashing with the bright blue paint. Everything else in the room looked as if it were Brendan's, his clothes filling the entire dresser. Although he was a good deal bigger than me, I grabbed a couple of his t-shirts and sweatpants and a bunch of underwear. Debbie's big brown purse sat on the nightstand. I went through it and pulled out 55 bucks, a debit card, and the tiny slip of paper with the four-digit pin she'd hidden behind it. The next room had been Wendell's, although, judging by the Nickelback posters covering the walls, he hadn't stepped in the room for over a decade. In Brightside, I'd always considered Wendell a lot older than me, but that was probably because he was the size of two adults. At 26, he was two years younger, and thanks to me, he wouldn't see 27. The bed was bumpy, sunken in the middle. I sat on it to catch my breath and pull my shit together. Wendell was the one who had called me into the bathroom. I didn't force him to kill that boot. Yeah, I know there was no way Wendell could have known what was going to happen, or that I was the one causing all the chaos. But what still amazes me is that he wanted to help. I don't know how many terrible thoughts I had about Wendell and Brightside, or how many he picked up on, but it was enough for him to know I was a piece of shit. I hadn't meant any of those thoughts to be hurtful or overheard, and none of them were intentional, but I couldn't deny them. Wendell's help seemed like forgiveness, something I sorely needed to do for myself. 
I'd failed him in life by not being a friend. But at least I made good on my promise to save Becky, albeit a promise that completely ruined her life and her parents. I could wallow in self-hatred and second-guessing the entire night, but I wanted to get out the second Becky said she was ready. I wasn't expecting to find anything in the dresser other than shirts the size of bedsheets, but none of the drawers had clothes in them. The bottom one had two boxes of photos and letters, most of them of Brendan in uniform, the desert behind him. The rest were selfies of Debbie, sent to brighten his day. There wasn't anything in the middle drawers, but I hit the jackpot with the top one. A fully loaded duty belt, with handcuffs, keys, flashlight, taser, pepper spray, baton, radio, disposable gloves, and two magazines. The only thing missing was the pistol. The belt was heavier than I'd imagined it would be, and I had to sit back down on the bed to put it around my waist and replace the holster I had on. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.